0: slept in hey we're not judging sometimes you just need to get a little more sleep
1: and if you do need to snooze we'd much rather you did that in a premeditated fashion and not in our pews while we're preaching you can always catch up with the sermon later right here on the sunday morning sleep in podcast
0: now we can't give you everything that coming to church on sunday morning gives you like donut holes afterwards or "Mm, yeah or um the support and encouragement of the intergenerational community that gathers on Sunday morning, or even just getting to hear our charming children and their funny jokes. But we'll give you what we can.
1: I'm Chris Marshall.
0: And I'm Susan Foster.
1: And we are United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts. We're not homiletical harbingers of a brand new age. We're your average pastors helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week.
0: We started this podcast, so if you're away from home, working, maybe coaching your kids' soccer team, or just sleeping in, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around
1: the church. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon one of us gave on Sunday. So whatever date it is when you're listening to this, we just ask that you would receive it with an open mind and an open heart.
0: And a quick note, we really are serious about the open mind and open heart thing. We don't expect you to agree with everything we say. In fact, we encourage you to question, to disagree, and to figure out what you think. But our most sincere hope is that you will experience the mysterious, loving force in the world we know as God, moving in your life as you consider this.
1: So Paul is writing his letter to the Romans. Yep. And in chapter 13, in verse 8, it starts to go like this. He says, "Owe no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loves another Has fulfilled the law. And if you want to hear a really great sermon on that, you can go back to our last episode (laughs) uh, where Susan talks about that at length. He goes over the commandments a little bit and he says, Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. And then he goes on to sort of talk about, so don't get lost, Right. stay focused, stay awake. And that's sort of how this Romans 13, 8 to 14 is structured. Mm-hmm. So what I get from that is Paul is sort of saying three things. He's saying, love your neighbor. Yep. Don't fall asleep on the job. Mm-hmm. And salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Right. And Paul's probably being apocalyptic.
0: Yeah. I he's mean, he's thinking, he's thinking, he sees the writing on the wall. He, mm-hmm. You know, he sees what the political and, and social uh, landscape looks like. And he's mm-hmm. thinking, you know, the, the temple is going to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. I mean, the you know, we're going to lose. We're going to, this is all, the world's going to change.
1: The world's going to change. Our world is going to be totally upturned. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of early Christians, including Paul, thought when Jesus said,
0: I'm gonna come I back. will be with
1: you, I'm coming back, that that meant that like, they could so schedule that on the calendar. Mm-hmm. You know, well, they I'm, were just
0: biding their time.
1: I'm free for lunch next Thursday. Does that work for you? You right. know, like they were sort of waiting for Jesus to come rolling in on a cloud and kick Caesar out of Rome and take over. Uh-huh. And the longer that that didn't happen, right. the m- more concern that they got about it. But they still believed that okay, Jesus is right around the corner. Right. Like everything's going to be okay. Right around the corner. Right around the corner. Obviously, it's been 2,000 years, and that hasn't happened. Well, you know, our corners are different than God's. Our corners are different than God's. God, unsurprisingly, moved in a way that people weren't expecting um, and did not live up to our expectations. Uh, God is constantly disappointing us by doing things in a different way. And so, uh, I asked the way I would have done that, God. I asked my congregation, how many people think Jesus has already returned? And everybody raised their hands. And I said, what are you talking about? And they shouted, the Holy Spirit. And I said, yes, exactly. Right. That we sort of believe that God is still present with us, that Jesus is still present with us, that, that mm-hmm. that's all good. Yeah. Um, but it just wasn't in the way that Paul was expecting. But that doesn't mean that I disagree with him when he says salvation is nearer now
0: no, I mean than I th- when
1: we first believed.
0: It's, 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 I think it's totally true.
1: Yeah, and in Methodism we call this sanctifying grace. Yep, that God continues to work on us and help us live a what's what I call a salvation life, mm-hmm. right? Which is not just about what happens after you die, right?
0: But, but it's about, it's about how now.
1: you live here and now. And so we sort of talked about what is the definition of salvation. <laughs> Good. Um, you know, just the always t- need
0: to come back to that sometime. You know, light you know, topic we...
1: on a Sunday morning. Yeah. And there's there's a few different definitions of salvation, but. Only one of them is being rescued from danger, which is what people have interpreted as not going to hell. Right, right. Um, the other ones include healing, mm. uh, making space mm-hmm. is the definition of salvation, to make space for something oh. and to have that much more holistic um, rhythm of life that we associate with the Hebrew term shalom. Okay. Which is, uh, Shalom is the kind of peace that is deeply based in justice. Mm-hmm. That means everybody has a place to belong. Everybody is treated fairly. Right. And, um, and there is so, it's sort of like the, the right way to be in community together. Right.
0: That there's a recognition that we are indeed woven together. Yeah. And that, that, that justice on one, for one person and for one situation is, is part of that fabric.
1: It's yes. not just,
0: oh, it's them, Never. I don't have to worry about that.
1: Mm-hmm. Because the, the root word for salvation is the same as salve. Like the thing that you would put on a wound, right? It's mm-hmm. about it's about healing and reconnecting and and fixing what's broken. Okay, um, but it's not necessarily about gnashing of teeth and fiery flames and all mm-hmm. of that. Like it's really about how do we make room for healing and make space for God to move and recognize the ways that we are so deeply interconnected, even yeah. now. So. The other thing that we say about salvation is that we are saved by faith, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, which means that it's mostly God's agency. Right. But we still have a huge part of that agency because what Paul is sort of talking about is that we need to stay awake, that we need to not assume that like, well, this is either going to happen in the future without my help or uh, it's happening now without my help, but I'm not part of this, Mm -hmm. that we need to be paying attention to it because... It's not a passive process. And if the implications really are present as well as future, mm-hmm. then, you know, how are we going to experience God's healing unless we're also paying attention to the places where we need to experience God's healing? Yeah. So so we have some work to do in that. And so um, this sermon was based around the Mumford and Sons song, Awake My Soul. Yep. Which is, Aaron Long is our organist at the church, and it's his like least favorite song that I make him play with me. But, uh, <laughs> but I love playing that song. It's really fun. And so we, uh, we sort of talked through all, you know the verses of the song and the chorus of the song and the bridge of the song, mm-hmm. and everybody in the congregation began to sing along, and it was really kind of powerful. Um, but it was this idea of paying attention to where mm-hmm. your life is being changed and healed and where it's being opened up to make space and where um where you might need to rebalance to kind of create that holistic kind of life that God wants for us. So, I told some stories of and salvation. And it really connects
0: with what you preached last week about rule of life.
1: Oh, yeah, cool. I forgot what I preached last week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but but you know, the, the Yeah, it dovetails the, the, nicely. It dovetails nicely because I think um, sometimes we talk about salvation as like a one-time thing yeah. or a
1: Oh, I you that question like when did you pray the <laughs> sinner's prayer? How old were you? Yeah. Like First of all, what is a sinner's prayer? <laughs> we don't really do that in our tradition. And second of all, uh, do you think I'm not still working on it? Yeah. Like we're all you still think, working on it. You think
0: you're not working on it? Yeah. yeah. That those are connected. Like that that, that when we begin to, to to be active disciples, salvation is a part of that.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So so we told three stories based on these three definitions of okay. salvation. And then after each story, we sang, Awake My Soul. Okay. Okay. And the first story was about a guy named Daryl Davis, who's Mm -hmm. a blues musician, African-American blues musician. Uh, His parents worked in the embassy, and so he grew up abroad for the most part. And when he returned to the United States, it was always either to an all-black school Mm -hmm. or to a newly segregated or newly desegregated school. Okay. And so when he came back when he was in high school into a newly desegregated high school, he experienced racism Mm. for the first time because he wasn't just in a black community Mm -hmm. and he, he was so confused by it. He got beat up at school. Mm -hmm. He experienced discrimination. People were calling him names and he'd been living in a place where the color of your skin didn't register. He was living in an Arabic country. Mm -hmm. So who cares what color your skin is? Right. And now uh, when he was in high school, he was discovering all of these things about the country that was his home country. And he found it very disturbing. So he decided to do something about it. And as an adult, he began to ask for interviews with Klan members, um, which, of course, the Ku Klux Klan is this white supremacist organization in the United States. It's been around for 100 years and or longer. longer. And he he began to ask for interviews with Klan members and, and to kind of ask them without expecting to change their minds or hearts, without mm-hmm. expecting anything to come from it, except just... To have the conversation um, with them. Why do you think I'm so much less than you? And what's interesting is you can sit down with somebody you don't like for five minutes and you're going to find probably at least one thing in common. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you sit down for longer than that, you'll probably find more things in common. Yeah. And Daryl chose to focus on the things that they had in common. And and pretty soon these clan members realized that they could not dismiss his humanity because they had so much in common. common. And so uh, because of the relationships that clan members built with Daryl Davis, over 40 clan members left the clan. Well, then he wrote a book called Clandestine Relations, spelled with a K.
0: K. He wins
1: the terrible pun award. you the know sp- how we
0: love a bad pun around here. Yeah.
1: And he went and he went on the road and he toured and talked about the book. Sometimes he would bring ex-clan members with him mm-hmm. uh, to talk about the book and... And he's gotten emails and letters and phone calls from over 200 more who, because of his book or because of his speaking, have also left the Klan. Well, one at a time, one at a time, one at a time, gradually that begins to make a difference. And what happened was he basically gutted the leadership of the Maryland KKK. (laughs) And there is no longer a KKK in the state of Maryland. One person at a time, just being willing to sit down with them and really um, create space for healing. Right. Uh, because we know racism is toxic; it right. will Talks kill your spirit if you are racist. It will cure, it will torture the people that you that you hate. Like mm-hmm. it's not good for anybody. No. And to create space for God to move in there and let them know there is a different way of relating to one another in the world was that's salvation at work. Yeah. So salvation is not something that waited for the KKK members to die. It was something that met them here. And right. now,
0: and it didn't, and it didn't have to come with the face of "I'm a Christian and I'm going to save you."
1: Right. It was just, "Hey, let's be in relationship with each other." Right. The second story, um, after we sang the first first of chorus course. of "Awake My Soul," was uh, about making room, and sometimes making room for people that you weren't expecting mm-hmm. and maybe didn't want, mm-hmm. and how that can change, uh, change your heart. Yep. And be part of your salvation. And so we talked about Joel Osteen.
0: Oh, yes, yes, yes. Who had a little bit of a a bump in the... in, the, in his... Oh,
1: Joel. So Joel Osteen, who everybody thinks is like the greatest pastor because he tells you God wants you to be rich, mm. um, but perhaps misses some of the, the key points in the Bible, which is that Jesus was homeless, for example. Right. Um, Joel Osteen has this mega church down in Houston. Mm-hmm. And when Hurricane Harvey was coming, they shut the church down and said... Uh, And even after Hurricane Harvey, they shut the church down and said, it's unavailable because of flood conditions. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Well, then about 25 people walked over to the church and took photos of it, clearly not affected by the flood, and posted them on Twitter. Well, Twitter got real angry.
0: (laughs) As Twitter will do. And
1: everybody, like a hive of angry bees, attacked Joel Osteen and said, why are you not letting people in? Well, other people from the church—they had a massive church. You put thousands of people inside. Right. It used to be a a basketball arena. Yeah. So, so people were asking, "Well, well, why won't you do this?" Well, people from the church, different spokespeople for the church, kept giving terrible answers. They just kept shooting themselves in the foot and Mm. saying things like, "Well, a sanctuary is not a shelter." Literally, sanctuary Sanctuary means means shelter. shelter. Uh, And they would say, "Well, you know, we were (laughs) really concerned about." flood damage from the people who would come in and stay with us, like getting the floors muddy because God cares about how clean the carpet is. You know, over and over again, they kept coming up with these excuses. And finally Joel Osteen said, well, the city of Houston didn't ask us to open our doors. The city of Houston didn't ask anybody to open open their their doors. doors, And yet all the mosques were taking in refugees from the storm. So eventually they had to open up and they had two or 3000 people take refuge at this mega church in Houston Afterwards, Joel Osteen was on the news, Mm -hmm. and somebody was interviewing him and saying, you know, why did you decide to change your mind about opening the doors of the church? And he said, well, God told me Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that Mm -hmm. I should open the doors of the church. And uh, D.L. Hewley comes back at him and says, son, that was Twitter. (laughs) Twitter told (laughs) you you to open the doors of the church. And uh, and I told my congregation, I will never say that Twitter is God. Mm -mm. I don't think Twitter speaks for God, but I do think... Sometimes that there, is, there are times when we can pressure each other into doing the right thing. Mark Twain says, there are three things that guarantee you're a good person, a good upbringing, <laughs> a strong set of morals, and witnesses. <laughs> and so um, yes. having people put pressure on Joel Osteen created space for a lot of people to take shelter from the storm, which is yes. literal physical salvation. salvation. But also I hope has gotten into Joel Osteen's heart a little bit. Yeah. So that he could see like, oh, this is what cr- being a Christian actually means. Great. It means opening the doors and not just keeping everything nice so that God is not offended by a smudge of dirt. Yes. God doesn't care about dirt.
0: Actually, I think it's more the trustees, but... God
1: cares about people. <laughs> so so that was the making room stories. So we have the healing from racism story of the making room during the storm story. And then the last story was about Sean Nyquist, Shauna Niequist uh, is a, an author. Uh-huh. She's buddies with Brené Brown. Okay. And uh, she's probably in her mid to late 30s. Her, her parents were kind of like mega church pastors, I okay. think. And her husband is the music director, the worship director at the church. And she's a very churchy person. She uh-huh. grew up in church. She grew up thinking all the right things and saying all the right things and doing all the right things. And uh, never saying no. Ooh. Uh, because that's
0: what good, good, because
1: that's what good girls do is you say, yes, you just do what you're told to do. And what ended up happening was she, she ended up building a life that was totally unsustainable. uh. So she tells a story about sitting around at Christmas Mm -hmm. and wanting to create the perfect Christmas for her family to honor God, to honor her family, so everybody would have this beautiful memory and everything would be gilded and it would be wonderful. Wonderful. gilded and flocked. Yeah, and she had about three weeks of work left to do on her to-do list and about 30 minutes to do it. Mm. And as she's sitting in the middle of this mess, the Bible story of the birth of Jesus started running through her mind. Mm -hmm. And she realized just how messy that story is. Right. And that that was where God chose to show up. Right. So she put away all the arts and crafts projects that she was doing, all the decorations, all of the Mm -hmm. plans for the perfect Christmas. And she decided to just show up Mm -hmm. to just be present. And so she wrote a book called present over perfect. Okay. And, uh, and it's really about her finding ways to rebalance her life she tells a story about sitting around the table with her family and playing board games mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. asking the kids questions. You know, they're all asking each other questions like, uh, if you could be anything when you grew up, what would you want to be? And if you could uh, go anywhere, where would you want to go? And if you could have more of anything, what would you want more of? And her sons, who were in elementary school at the time, said more of this. Mm. More of sitting around the table with one another. More of enjoying each other. Less frantic and more slow. Yeah. Yeah. And she and her husband looked at each other and realized that they'd both heard it, Mm -hmm. that they needed to change the way they were structuring their lives because busy wasn't doing it. Yeah. And the glorification of busy wasn't actually creating healthier or happier or more connected Christians. Right. So she wrote this book about her journey that she sometimes still fails at.
0: Mm -hmm. And we all?
1: We all do, uh, of trying to build a more uh, sustainable life, one that is based more on relationships and less in accomplishments. Yeah. Uh, one that is deeply centered in God and not worried about our culture's glorification of busy. And so I think that saved her yeah. in a lot of ways. And I think um, when we tell our stories to one another, sometimes it gives other people permission to realize like, oh, that's something that I need to, that might yeah. be where I need yeah. Yeah. to but experience. Yeah, that we spend a lot
0: of time not telling non, we tell stories that aren't salvation for anyone, yeah. right? Like we glorify the idea that, oh my gosh, I have this to do, and this to do, and this to do.
1: Yeah, it's not um, helpful.
0: And we don't tell the stories of our brokenness mm-hmm. so that others can see brokenness is okay. Yeah. Like sometimes you have to be there, uh, or grief, or all these other things. We have this, you know, let's put on the, the shiny facade and
1: go yeah. forward. Yeah, I I I mean, I can't agree with you enough about that. And so these, these three stories are radically different, right? From reaching yeah. across to somebody who really hates you right? to creating space for people you weren't expecting to totally reorienting mm-hmm. your life. Like these are three different images of what salvation looks like. Right. And the scripture saying, you know, we're still waking up to who God calls us to be
0: mm-hmm.
1: and to what we need to see and to how we need to work. Right. Um, and that that's not a passive process for us, but that we are still getting closer to it. Hopefully We can look back and see like, oh my gosh, I am growing more deeply in who I am and who I am in community and who I am with God than I was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. And that, so we are closer to salvation than we were when we first first believed. Hopefully we're all still working on it. We're all still practicing and that that's okay. We are all coming back to life. There was a image that I used about waking up is that that's not always comfortable. Mm Mm-hmm. Like a limb coming back awake after it's been asleep for a while. It feels like pins and needles and mm-hmm. it feels really, ah, for a while. Yeah, yeah just wool. And that prickling sensation uh, is a reminder that there is blood flowing back into this part of our life again. Yeah. And so uh, to pay attention, not just to those things that you think God needs to do, but also to those places where you're experiencing some discomfort, because yeah. that might be where God's actually working. Yeah. Yeah. So that was it. Awake my soul. Awake my soul. For you were made to meet your maker now. Mm. Amen. So thank you for
0: listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. If you have questions for us or perhaps more stories about what it means to be saved or what a salvation stories in your own life, shoot us an email at in at gmail.com or find us on sundaymorningsleepin.com or on all the other social media platforms like Facebook. The scripture for this podcast has been Romans 13, 8 to 14. And the music you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jazzer.
1: It's traditional at the end of a worship service for the priest to deliver a blessing to the congregation to make sure everybody's good and saved. But here's the deal. Salvation is something we're all working out with fear and trembling in our own lives. Amen. Trying to figure out how God is showing up. So... The question is whatever you believe about salvation how will you choose to live into your own skin this week how will you pay attention how will you love how will you listen how will you serve how will you heal how will you create space how will you rebalance how will you seek justice maybe you slept in but now it's time to wake up and get moving